Welcome to my Japanese Green Tea Podcast, a show dedicated to Japanese tea. Hosted by tea blogger Ricardo Caicedo. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 28 of my Japanese Green Tea Podcast. Today, with us, we have Tia's Hybrids from the Tea Crane. And it's an online Japanese tea store with many premium teas. Hi, TS. Thanks for joining the show again. Hi, Ricardo. Thank you for inviting me again. And、um, I think it's about a year now since I've last appeared on your show. Really grateful that you've invited me here again. For the people that don't know about you,、um, can you give us a brief intro to, to yourself? Yeah, sure.、Um, <clears throat> I came to Japan actually about. Ten years ago,、uh, I was interested in martial arts and、uh, Japanese culture. And that's a little bit what kept me here. And during the period that I actually live in Japan, I've been studying the tea ceremony, which was, on most accounts, my foremost activity being here in the country. And last year, actually, I graduated as a full fledged、uh, tea ceremony instructor. Which is、um, one part of the business that I'm creating now. On the other side, I've always been well, interested and I've always loved Japanese green tea in、uh, specific, and I've also been discovering some other types of Japanese teas、um, over the past few years and months. From that passion, actually, and from that、um, interest in tea, I wanted to、um, introduce more of that to. People outside Japan. So that's why I、um, started my online store、uh, last year. It's pretty fresh, pretty new, but、um, I got it online、uh, last year in December. Okay, and what, what's the, the story behind the tea crane? The, the, tea the name crane. of the company and what, why did you decide to? to yeah, so the, the tea crane is the name of,、um, of the store. and Why I actually chose that specific logo, that specific、um, naming, is when I got married in Japan and、um, I got married to a, a Japanese、uh, lady. She's,、uh, she's my wife now for about four years. And when we got married, I officially got,、uh, became the head of the house. It's, it's a little bit of a tradition that each house has its own.、Um, What do you call that in English?、Uh, it, it's a mon,、uh, a common. It's, it's a little figure. In the West, we would have、uh, shields, for example. Yeah, like the coat of arms. The coat of arms, exactly. When I went out to search for a coat of arms for that logo, actually, for our family,、um, I thought, what would be better suitable than something that relates to tea? As that is what I've been doing most here in Japan. Now, I also. Made my well, my kimono,、uh, my Japanese dress, and it's common to embroider that logo on your、uh, your kimono. So, so, when I was looking for that logo, I found well, the tea flower, and I saw that logo of, of a crane with its wings as tea leaves. So, I thought nothing could be more suitable for my purpose. So that's a little bit the,、uh, the origin of where the logo came from. And then when I thought I start my own store, my own brand, I already had the logo. So I just had to,、uh, to implement it. You have some 
some teas, some of them are called organic and, and some are natural. Are they the same or is it a different type of, of meaning? Well, the content, uh, to from, well, from my perspective, is pretty much the same. Um, they're the same in the way that they are produced in a natural manner without fertilizer, uh, well, with a little bit of um, natural fertilizers, but most without any fertilization at all, as well as um, without pesticides. The difference that I give to the ones I call organic and the ones I call natural is mostly the organic ones are actually certified by an organization that, well, in Japan is called JAS. They certify the tea based on, well, the amounts of fertilization, what type of fertilization, what type of chem, if, whether or not there are chemicals used for uh, growing those teas. So they're actually a, a certified tea. The other ones I call natural are grown in the same or pretty much the same way but they didn't get the certification. And the reason for that is because mostly the producers that make the teas, which I refer to as natural, are very small producers. They don't have the necessary amounts to actually spend on getting that certification. So they actually have to sell their tea, which is mostly the same as if it seems like something different. And I find that a very difficult border to actually cross. Okay, so but they're pretty essence, much organic, but they, the they don't have the certification. Yes, so that, that's the largest um, difference between organic and natural. Looking at your website, and for the mm -hmm. people listening, the website is www.the-t.crane.com. You have Mountain Tea and Signature Collection. Yes. What's the difference between those those two lines of, of your tea? Yeah. So I s split up um, the teas I carry in Mountain Tea and Signature Collection. And it may not be very clear unless you actually use the, uh, uh, you read the About the Mountain Tea Collection paragraphs that are underneath the tea. Um, but the Mountain Tea Collection is actually um, a selection of teas that were produced in well, with one specific producer. And this one specific producer uses zero fertilization and uses zero pesticides. The only fertilizer he uses on his tea for the bushes is the leaf and the branches he can get from the neighboring forests. So forest litter is the only thing he spreads out in between the rows of, of bushes. And it's that where the tea gets its flavor, gets its strength, and gets its power from. The signature collection, on the other hand, is more of a group of teas which I get from wherever in Japan. So they're more like specific teas that are hard to find elsewhere and not only from one location. And besides both of those, you also offer um, a tea ceremony experience as an instructor. Yes, so since I got the uh, instructorship uh, in the tea ceremony last year and I've been working at a tea store previously uh, where I also conducted those um, tea ceremony experiences, tea ceremony introductions, um, I thought it's about time that I start my own type of experience. 
I'm still a little bit busy on procuring the location, but it's it's quite set up and basically for any foreign traveler who comes to Japan, I'm ready to give uh, tea ceremonies with detailed explanations and um, anything you need in English, which is usually not very much the case. And that, that would be in Osaka or Kyoto? I'm planning on basing myself in Kyoto and okay. Nara. Yeah, there's, it's a really good place for tourism. Yeah. Well, Kyoto gets, uh, gets the most tourists in Japan each year, so I think there's potential. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and, and coming back to the teas, tell us about a, a couple of your teas that, that you find are very interesting so that the listeners can, can get an idea of what type oh, yeah. of tea do you have. I would like to um, refer to the Mountain Tea Collection first. Um, the reason why I got... Uh, interested in organic teas is not so much because of um, its health benefits and the other benefits you could get which are most commonly known for organic foods. I was a little bit septic about organic in first place because as most common tea drinkers um, we are looking for a specific taste in, in our sencha, in our bancha, in our gyokuro and with organic, I always thought it'd be difficult to get that same amount of lushness. It would just be bitter, it would be astringent. There was a little bit of a thing that kept me away from it. Until I actually started looking into it. And the first tea that I tasted, and that's actually the tea that got me hooked on organic, made it so that I actually just couldn't go back, was the organic roasted bancha. I thought, well, if it's just natural leaf, it's not going to have much flavor, it's going to be a little bit bitter, and it's not going to be really good. Until I drank it, it was the best bancha I ever had. The roasted bancha, is it more or less like a hojicha, or, or is there a difference? The naming is, well, it, it's a little bit dual-sided. It's a bancha, actually, and they've roasted it. But what is a hojicha? It's also a bancha which is roasted, so it's pretty <laughs> much the same. Okay. Only the naming is, is a little bit different, yeah. And what what would you say is the difference between one a good organic tea and a non-organic tea when you taste it? What I have now as an impression with non-organic teas is that they're generally much sweeter. Okay. Even with sencha, which is supposed to be a little bit on the bitter side, they get that very sweet and velvety soft flavor. Okay. And a regular type of sencha, um, to my perception, is supposed to be fresh, a little bit bitter, and a good punch. Okay, and that's what happens that's, with the organic one. Yes. The senchas on the market now um, quite heavy, quite deep, with a lot of different flavors and, and a lot of things that are mixed in together. While one of the organic types of uh, sencha, I'd say they're more fresh, outspoken, focused on one or two aspects of um, what type of flavor a sencha should have. And it's very easy to drink and it's very thirst quenching, very refreshing. Something I not always get with um, the more standard type, the more common types of, uh, of sencha. Oh, I see. So c can you recommend another one, another of your teas? Sure. Um, we've looked at the bancha, we've looked at the the senchas and <clears throat> now if we stay in the mountain tea collection I also 
started discovering um, black teas. I'm not a specialist in black tea or oolong tea or any other type of uh, non, well, non originally Japanese teas, but I discovered those and I actually was impressed. I haven't had much uh, affinity with, with other black teas from other regions in, in China, for example. I'm not really a Puar fan either. Um, but the black teas I found in Japan are quite refreshing, quite easygoing. They've got a little bit of, of bitterness and astringency, but they're not that extremely full-bodied. Well, some people might like a very full-bodied black tea, but I'm more of a green tea fan. And looking for a black tea that is closer to the feel you can get with with a green tea, I was actually very uh, surprised finding, um, for example, the organic Benihikari Wakocha, well, black tea from Japan. Benihikari is only a cultivar for black tea, right? Yes. So it's um, it's a Japanese grown cultivar, which is on well mostly only used for um, for production of black tea. Okay. You also have oolongs. Yes, um, which is also something I'm, I'm very um, happy about discovering. Well, with the same with the black teas, I'm, I'm not very familiar with oolongs and, and uh, oolongs in Taiwan. But having a general idea of, of oolongs, to my perspective, they always look brown. And the brew was always brown. But the oolongs that I carry in uh, the signature collection... Um, they've really impressed me with their soft freshness in, in flavor together with a little bit of a, of a citrus aftertaste. The brew is quite green, a little bit on the yellow side. Mm, so it is lightly oxidized. It's lightly oxidized, yeah. But I've always wondered, I've tried Japanese oolong, but at the end of the day when I'm going to steep it, I'm not sure if I'm really doing it well. <laughs> Are you supposed to... Because it's, it's a new long, are you supposed to do it like like in China, like low steeping times and many infusions, or or is is there a, a special way to to brew a Japanese oolong? How I do it, and I'm actually surprised about how many steepings I can get from it because it. I think last time I had uh, an oolong, I got about ten steepings out of it, which were still sufficiently delicious and flavorful, and I do it just with boiled water about 90 degrees and let it steep for about a minute, a minute and a half. Okay. So it has a lot of flavor. It has a lot of flavor, yes. And especially the the Koshun organic oolong, which I carry in the signature um, collection, that one's quite um, milky. Of well, It's not really the flavor which is milky, but it's more the mouthfeel and the gentleness of the flavor that um, makes one remind of... Um, of milk. It would be Minami like, like a Taiwanese mi- milky oolong. Yeah, j- Japanese milky oolong. <laughs> well, the Minami, uh, Minami Sayaka organic oolong is more of um, an oolong which um, is fresh in a, in a sense of having more citrus flavor, more of um, a minty citrus-like taste in the aftertaste mostly. Mm, sounds great. And um, Also... You do wholesale, right? Yes, that's actually how I uh, got started. I've been reaching out to small retailers, tea retailers um, across the globe. And I've been assisting 
many of them with um, procuring either the Japanese teas that their customers would like or my selection of um, organic teas as well. And all the teas that I offer on the website are also available in, in wholesale. Let's say someone wants to buy, how, how long does it take for him to get a tea, let's say he's in the U.S.? In the U.S.? Yeah. Um, in order to keep the shipping costs low, I've actually um, offered all teas um, at free shipping starting at 300 grams. Okay. Below that, I only charge $5 per, uh, per shipping. Oh, but And it's really cheap. It is, especially if you expect expect it to come from Japan. Yeah. There's, of course, a backside to it, and that is that it takes a little bit longer to be delivered. So I, I estimate about two to three weeks for it to be delivered in, in the U.S. Okay. So one has to be patient. Yes. <laughs> of course, there's also the, the, the more expensive shipping option, which uh, allows you to get it on an express. And even that is, is not tremendously expensive um, it's about 10 or 15 dollars on plus uh, what sizes are what like 50 100 grams what's more or less the the weight of the teas that you offer um, I have all teas in 50 grams and 100 grams except for the mountain tea collection I also offer uh, 200 gram packages And for the black teas, I offer them in 40 grams and 80 grams. Are the black teas more expensive? They're a little bit more expensive, yeah. Okay. You also have an, an interesting tea, the, the golden tea, is it? The golden tea? Well, if you look at its price, it is quite golden too. So when I put it on the... On, um, well, when I actually took it up in my collection, the only reason I did that was because I believe you barely get it anywhere else. Yeah. I honestly didn't expect to sell any of it either, <laughs> <laughs> just because of the price, because it's, it's really pricey. You see, the, the tea I have here is 10 grams for $19. Yeah, it's quite a lot. But it's, um, it's a hand-picked, hand-rolled, um, I should say a sencha, it, although it doesn't look like it. But its flavor is quite similar to that of gyokuro, because of the high amount of amino acids that are absorbed in in the tea. The reason why this tea actually became golden is quite unknown. Even in uh, Shizuoka, they're still researching on why this, uh, this tea actually became golden. And in, initially, it was um, a regular tea plant from the Yabukita cultivar that, due to a sudden change, actually, turned into yellow or this type of golden leaf. And the producer was so surprised by seeing that, that he decided on reproducing the tree from cuttings. And he did that now for, for quite a while. Now it turned into a completely golden tea farm. Oh, really? This one's uh, produced in, uh, up in the mountains in uh, Shizuoka, a lo location called uh, Morokozawa. They've got, of course, regular tea farms as well. So you, you actually sold some of it? I did. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> it, it looks. Yeah, great. I was really surprised. Just looking at it, you don't want to brew it because it it looks so nice. Yeah, I actually added um, uh, a gift picture to uh, the page as well when I uh, took a few pictures when I was steeping the tea to show you how it's 
how it actually opens <laughs> up. It's really pretty. Its flavor is quite interesting too. When you take a really expensive tea and then you you, you say brew it this way and a hundred milliliters, shouldn't you be using a, a really small cup because it's so expensive? Or is, is the experience different or, or it doesn't matter? That is indeed a very good question. I've taken my measures actually based on the size of the cuisson. Okay. So for this, um, <clears throat> the you, steeping you would serve it amount, into, you can serve it into different cups. Is that what you're saying? Yes. You you would serve it in little small cups anyway. Pretty much. So um, I see what you're getting at. Um, we've got measurements per one person um, as an indication on the website. I should change that to three. Yeah. To make it more consistent. That's true. Yeah, it it would be. And I can see in the picture you're, you're using a, that looks like a hohin, right? The, yes, so it's, a, it's a little hohin case. Yeah, yeah, because I was thinking if it's such an expensive tea, then why why serve it in a in a in a large cup? Uh, you know me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Before you, you were doing this, you also worked in the tea industry. Yeah, so I have been working at a tea store in uh, in Uji. Okay. which is a little bit uh, considered as the capital of tea in Japan. Um, reason for that being that the manufacturing method of Sencha was actually discovered in this area in 18th century. So it's, it has a long tradition. It has quite a long tradition. And the tea store I worked at was a store that was in business for 160 years. Wow. And they were at the sixth head of the house, um, at the time I was there. So okay. I assisted them with um, in-store sales, um, procurement of uh, some of the teas they were, well, they sold. I also instructed the customers we received on how to brew the tea. And I also had um, my tea ceremony sessions, which I held about twice a week. Are you like a, a tea ceremony instructor, like professionally? Or are you do giving classes? Um, I teach, yes. Um, I actually have a class. The class I've been going to priorly, but I'm taking it over a little bit now. And um, I teach on Saturday in Osaka. Oh, really good. So I'm, I'm trying to expand so that you, as well. you're so 100% into tea? Yes, um, 100% tea. That's actually a little bit the goal I'm, I'm looking at now is to... I want to introduce tea more to the West expand the knowledge about Japanese tea in general and the tea ceremony and tea culture as well. And for that, I just have to throw myself onto it completely. I want to do the same goal too, but I'm much more farther behind. <laughs> but but still, still enjoying the, the journey. But um, you've managed to get the, um, the Nihoncha Instructors Association's um, certification, right? Yeah, but I haven't been... Uh, mail the the document yet. I think it takes until April, so, yeah, so I'm not I'm not saying it yet until until <laughs> I really have the the paper to prove it. Ah, <laughs> uh, I see. And for the listeners, I, I want I want to thank Tias personally because he's the one that helped me with all the paperwork and stuff. I I was outside Japan when I took the course, but if it wasn't for Tias, I, I wouldn't have been able to do it. So thank you again. <laughs> It's my pleasure. I'm really happy to help. So I guess we, we ran out of time. Hopefully All right. in the future we can 
talk a little bit more about about tea in, in Uji and and all these interesting cultivars that, that you offer. Uh, sure. Yeah, thank you for for your time and for the listeners. I, I really want to recommend uh, you to go check out the tea crane, and I'm sure you'll you'll find some really interesting teas. Thank you again for inviting me, um, Ricardo. It's been great chatting you with you, uh, chatting with you once again, and uh, I look forward to uh, future opportunities. Okay, so thanks again and good goodbye. Have a nice day. All right, thank you. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to my Japanese green tea podcast. Join us again next time 